For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg! Good morning, Manitoba, for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. We say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Truman Dell, here for the next couple of hours to talk everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets, the NHL draft, tons going on in the hockey world or set to commence within the hockey world. And we'll bring it all to you on this Saturday morning. I'd like to give us all three of us a round of applause as we basically started the show on time today. So good job to all three of us for being here on time and pressing the let's go button at the exact right opportunity. Gentlemen, good to see you both. Dave, resplendent in blue. Ezzy, handsome in white. Mindell, fiery in red i like it good morning boys yeah i mean you're mentioning we're very patriotic to america right now i was gonna say oh say can you see hey i can sing it you do have a great voice drew um yeah we got the draft it's hard to believe boys that day one of the draft is coming up in four days and obviously no movement for the jets yet but you have to think something's coming uh prior to the draft we talked about this last week like we were i was really like I was expecting there to be a move and then I was expecting Remus and Huss to go live and have a trade to talk about or a buyout to talk about on Winnipeg Sports Talk. By the way, Remus and Huss will be at the draft uh, starting uh, tomorrow, actually. I saw Remus this morning. He was walking his daughter, Sadie, and there was a little bit of a stop and chat. So shout out to Remo. Oh, this morning. It's um, had a nice little chat with him. What time were you guys doing this at? It was only 9 a.m. Uh, it was 5 after 7. So he said that uh, Sadie was up, I think, at 6 in the morning. So we had a nice little chat. But make sure you're subscribed to Winnipeg Sports Talk, their YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram, everything like that. Because those boys will be talking to the who's who of the hockey world down in uh, Nashville on, on Broadway, Drew's favorite street in America. Uh, so, yeah, there's some moves coming. But it was definitely a quiet week. Aside from the Ashton Sautner contract, it's always nice to see a native of Flin Flon. Um, shout out to Flin Flon. As a lot of people know, my dad is a Flin Flon, happy, uh, proud Flin Flon um, resident. Or I guess I should say he was born there. He's not a resident. He lives here. But you know what I'm saying. He's he's the pride of Flin Flon. But aside from the Ashton Sautner contract, boys, there wasn't a lot of news coming out of Jetsland. No, no, there certainly wasn't. And uh, yeah, so I also want to make mention, you talked about the NHL draft and Huston Remus are going to be in Nashville. Day one coverage, round one coverage, of the NHL draft Wednesday night back here on our social media platform, starting with our YouTube channel. Dave and Ezzy, will, along with special guests, will have comprehensive coverage of round one. Uh, I may or may not be there for the end of it. Likely not. So You're not Dave, invited, Drew. We got thank this. Thank you. Unfortunately, I have a family obligation. So uh, I'll let Dave and Ezzy drive that bus and hopefully right over me repeatedly. We're not family, not Drew? What are, what are we? You are uh, family? close close, rel- close friends is what I would describe you as in the hierarchy. Well, that's you not are, bad. Yeah, close friends is better than the alternative, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I was, uh, that's, a, that's a higher yeah, level. You definitely of, don't want to be Drew's enemy. That's no. higher on the scale than I anticipated, Drew. And, and you know, Ezzy talks about making sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you mentioned, of course, our, our show on Wednesday. Yeah. 
We're three subs away from 5,000 folks. So uh, if you're following along, most follow, watch our subscribers. But let's get the number up a little bit higher. Let's get a IC up and over 5,000 because, you know, the climb to 10,000 doesn't happen until you hit 5,000. So let's let's get to 5,000, then we'll, then we'll worry about the next milestone. But uh, we appreciate everyone who's joined us for this journey, and uh, we appreciate all the new folks as well. We're not like those other companies that only appreciate their new followers and ignore <laughs> their right. old ones. Yeah. We appreciate the old and the new. So if you can join along with us, uh, we're going to try and have a fun Wednesday night, of course. And then on uh, Thursday, IllegalCurve.com will be uh, your source for all the Jets news. Anything that happens at the draft. I won't be at the draft, as he said, but we'll have complete coverage on the website. So uh, make sure you stay tuned to us online. Yeah, if Kenny's Water Bottle and uh, Spency Sutton and Rob Somerville, Rob Mahoney, if if you guys could just uh, create some fake Gmail accounts and then get us to 5,000, that would be <laughs> much appreciated. Uh, that's how we'll do it. So maybe we'll hit 5,000 during the show today, boys. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Brass Bonanza wants to know if the show started early, Drew, but unfortunately it just didn't start early. We just came on. Time. We were just on time. Yes, which in that sense is, is kind of like early for us. But uh, in any event, you know, we we're talking about how there still hasn't been any moves by the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to the bigger names that we've talked about uh, all off season thus far. It feels like it's almost death by a thousand cuts. As Elliot Friedman, we were doing one big move, Drew. Ashton Sauter. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. <laughs> Hang on. To channel Dave Hodge from back in the day on Hockey Night in Canada when they wouldn't show overtime. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just kidding. We're just we're just joking around. Ashton Sautner is, uh, you know, obviously got a one-year, one two-way contract with the Jets last night, yeah. or yesterday afternoon, I should say. And uh, he's a good, good leadership guy. As, as he said, a flint uh product. Uh, didn't grow up in Manitoba. I think he left at around six or eight, but... You know, you could see after our end of season moose availability, he was he was really happy to be back in Winnipeg. Uh, spent a lot of time here. His mom is a teacher, I believe, so he came up here a lot. And um, yeah, he's good for the leadership, and he'll most likely be uh, with the moose. And if at, yes, if at any point in time, no disrespect to him, but if at any point in time next season he's playing uh, games for the Winnipeg Jets, things have gone dramatically off the rails, and uh, you know the the season will certainly be a a, a bust at that point in time. Uh, happy birthday to Pierre Luc Dubois. It's his yeah, birthday. I just saw that on the Jets. Uh, very media. nice of the Jets to tweet that out. I get. I don't know if that means a trade is imminent. Maybe that'll be his birthday present, or just the Jets going through, uh, you know, keeping things uh, on the up and up and, and wishing him a happy birthday, as they do for all the players who are still under uh, still under contract to the team or on the roster of the team at the very least. Uh, but uh, I guess it's uh, Pierre. It's also Fête Nationale, if I'm not mistaken, Saint Jean Baptiste Day in Quebec. So uh, everything's coming up uh, PLD, depending on his final destination. Uh, let me ask you guys this. So, uh, you know, death by a thousand cuts a little bit, no news regarding the Winnipeg jets. They somehow haven't made any trades uh, with, with regard to the, the big names as we sit here sort of four days before the draft, you know, I think it was Elliot Friedman and we were laughing about it. And one of his many media appearances said that he doesn't necessarily expect anything to happen until maybe draft day itself is to me, that would be late later in the game than I'd expect. I would almost think something would have happened already. And still I would expect it before Wednesday and the, uh, and the NHL draft occurring. Absolutely. And, and we've been talking about this so long. It feels like we've been talking about this for five years. And yeah, I think Drew and I were agreeing last week that we actually, 
you know, thought there would already be a tr trade seven days ago, right? So, yeah. I mean, listening to what Elian Friedman was saying yesterday, I mean, he expects there to be a trade, uh, you know, in the day or two leading up to the draft or at the draft on Wednesday, as Drew mentioned. We hope everybody's going to be able to join us. Jets pick 18th overall, round one. So that pick's probably not going to happen until when, Dave? Maybe 8.30, 9 o'clock. We know that the uh, the first round takes a long time, right? You just have to watch last year's show and, and see how Drew started the show, and it was bright and sunny out. And by the time the show was over, Drew was worried that uh, an animal was going to uh, come out and, and attack him in the uh, backwoods of Kentucky. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised that something hasn't been done. I, I mean, Dave has been all over this, so shout out to Dave, you know, for bringing all of Elliot Freeman's 135 interviews that he did this week about Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Connor Hellebuck, and, and Blake Wheeler. But obviously, you know, the big nugget that came out in regards to PLD, I'm sure you're going to want to get to wheels in a second there, Drew. But mm -hmm. um, the big one, Dave, is obviously that, you know, it looks like PLD, Pat Bersaw, they're going to cut it down to two or three teams. And thank God, because, I mean, I, I'd like to know. No, I'm obviously being sarcastic. I mean, I would like him to cut it down to one team because I think we're all waiting for the trade. And I think everybody knows that Montreal, L.A., you know, I'm not sure who the third team would be, uh, if that's Boston or if that's Colorado, Dave, or Dallas, or mm -hmm. we even hear, like, you know, rumors that Minnesota might be interested in in one of Scheifele or Dubois, right? So, I mean, you expect something to happen in the next two to four days here or, you know, at the draft itself because something's got to give. You don't – you have to think that the Jets want to move on – uh, you know, from Dubois, um, you know, prior to to making their first pick on Wednesday. Well, and you know, it has, it, it's interesting because I think, you know, you you're, you mentioned all the things we've posted on IllegalCurve.com, and it's true because it's a lot of posturing. You know, it really is a lot of, you, and it's hard to tell, right? Like at one moment you're like, Montreal, they're basically going to not do anything. You know, unless it makes sense for them, they're not doing anything. Okay, you know, understand. That's coming right from uh, Kent Hughes. And you're sitting there going, Okay, and then you hear something else that, like, like for example, Blake Wheeler's got a lot of people who are interested in trading for him. You're like, okay, well, that's coming from Kevin Shevelday off. Like, it's <laughs> it's it, you can just see the way this the machinations are 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 working. How the sausage uh, is made. Yeah, exactly. And and like I said, you know, Daddy, I would you to the, like some sausage? <laughs> no, I'm good but, right now, but thank you. I listened to the you know the Friedman one from the NHL Network, and, and this is basically what he said in terms of the four. He said expects we this will be Wheeler's last week as part of the organization. Wouldn't be surprised to see Dubois get dealt at the draft. Speculate Shifley in Boston, but says it's been quiet. Quote, they like his profile. And then talked about the, kind of softened the market a little bit for Hellebuck, and then really talked about the extension and talked about how key that was. But, so those are the four things that, that Friedman said really on the NHL network. Still go to illegalcurve.com and listen, of course. But, or read my work. But anyways, the, the fact is that if you, if you really want to, you know, focus in on Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah, I mean, I guess him narrowing it down to two or three teams is is a good thing but i mean at the end of the day like he's already narrowed down his list i mean yeah. really why pierre-luc dubois has any further say in this i it kind of is a little bit bizarre to me because when a player says here are the five or six teams i'm willing to be dealt with then your job as kevin shovel day off is to create a structure contract with that team with pierre -Luc, with with who what kind of assets you're going to get back so why pierre-luc dubois still has a say in narrowing it down to two or three to be honest it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because what are they, like who cares what Pierre Luc Dubois thinks? He doesn't have a say. He doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a no move clause. He's an RFA. Well, but so it, I mean, again, in the sense that he he has a say in the sense that if he's willing to sign a long term extension with whatever team, but he's already, him, but he, Drew, he's already made that clear by by giving you the list of five or six, unless it was BS. 
Again, well, that's I mean, so that, that, I, that, that I, again. I, I, I oftentimes think it might it might be BS until you know. Well, that's, that's what where, I mean. So yeah. so because it, it doesn't. I mean, again, let's just try and think logically. Remove any emotion from this. Right. I mean, think about it logically. If he's already given a five or six team list to the Jets that he's willing to sign an extension with, why does he need to narrow it down to two or three teams that he's willing to sign an extension with? If he was already known that he was going to sign an extension with the five or six, and it's safe to say, guys, that Chevy has already narrowed it down himself in terms of like who who is really going to be his trading partner here, right, Dave? Right, like we've talked about L.A. Elliot Friedman has been all over that, right? So we we believe that L.A. and Montreal are two of those three teams, right? And it was two to three. I thought that was interesting, right? That he said two to three because. As I just mentioned, we know who those two teams are that are the most likely destinations. And it's possible, guys, that it's a team that we haven't talked about. That's always a possibility. But I think where there's smoke, there's fire, right? It seems like L.A., you know, Drew Drew was all over this on last week's show, right? Like, because they have so many good prospects, um, you know, and, and Alex Turcotte is a guy whose name has been out there. I don't think it is Turcotte, by the way, guys. I think it's probably, if there is a trade, I mean, it, it's going to be Gabe Velarde or, or Quinton Byfield. But, you know, I was messaging Dennis Bernstein earlier this week because I wanted to know how many games Velarde actually played as a center because, of course, he was drafted as a center. He's been used primarily as a winger. So, yeah. so Gabe Velarde can be used as a center, but at the NHL level, the Kings have preferred him on the wing. So I just wanted to mention that, Dave, but you're right. I mean, this is no secret here that, you know, L.A. and Montreal are the front runners. So I, I, I'm with you. Like, I think we already know it's down to two to three teams. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and it's just a matter now of when they, you know, pull the trigger on it. Do the, you know, does it take up until you know they get onto the draft floor, or is it something that happens, you know, when they all get to Nashville in the coming days? Because the NHL awards, I believe, are Tuesday night in Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. So you know that, uh, you know, the, all the general managers are going to gather and everything else, and it's going to be you know the gossip fest that happens when everybody gets together in, in, in one city. And is that what sort of gets things finalized? over the next little while or is it something that even takes longer i mean it's it's uh, i'm a little surprised that it's taken this long because it's not usually kevin shovel day off you know previously if you look at past history his mo with jacob trubo was a couple weeks before the draft it didn't take right up until you know three days before the weekend before uh you know and, and you know you have to sort of you know, all the scouts and and the or and the team has has done their draft board and everything else, so they know you know what they like and who they like. And but if if all of a sudden you end up with another first round pick, that could change things. All of a sudden, if you end up with uh, you know other pieces that you didn't necessarily anticipate having, that could change things. So that's why I'm a little surprised that they're still here the Saturday before the draft that we're still discussing uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Never mind Shifley and Hellebuck. Right. Who both? I mean, they almost seem like they're a bit on the on the back burner. Yeah, Shifley they're not as especially. Pressing. That's no. why I'm of the opinion that I don't think, and I've you know, Dave and I, I think we both have said this for a while that I don't necessarily expect Shifley to be traded, uh, you know, this off season. But both of those guys, you know, again, moves happen around the big tent pole events in the NHL calendar. The tent pole events are the trade deadline, the draft. You know, when it comes to trades. You know, if there's going to be moves happening, it's hard to believe that, you know, Shifley, Hellebuck, and Dubois are all going to happen in the next three-day window. That would be, you know, virtually unprecedented to have that many uh, huge headline trades from one team within that short period of time, Dave. 
Well, I, Drew, I'm still of the opinion that the only one that's going to get done in the short term, at least, is Pierre-Luc Dubois. I really do. I don't believe, I know that, you know, Elliot Friedman said he's only got a week left of, of Blake Wheeler. That's possible, I guess. But I, for me, the one that, that I've keyed in on and the one I've really tried to stay focused on is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Because as I said with you, I think that Shifley sticks around. I still not 100% on Wheeler. Uh, Hellebuck. I'm inclined to believe that they move him, but again, there's no real urgency right there. I mean, unless again, you're trying to, depends on the kind of, as he, what, what you want to do. Are you acquiring players or are you acquiring picks and prospects? Obviously if you're acquiring picks, you want to do it ahead of a draft like this one, which is so deep. And the Dubois one. The big again, thing with Hellebuck, as you know, Dave, is that whoever's acquiring him is going to have to pay big money on a long-term contract. Right. right. So I, I don't think, and you know, I might be, you know, um, you know, there might be some people that feel differently, but I think most people would agree that, you know, a team isn't interested in just acquiring him for one year. I think it would be safe to say that at his age and the fact that, you know, he's going to be in his prime for another five, six years. I think, you know, whether it's Carolina, you know, whether it's whoever, I mean, we've heard the New Jersey Devils out there. I mean, I, I just think, Dave, there's not as many teams that are willing to give him nine to $10 million a year yeah. as there are, you know, teams that would, you know, be okay giving, you know, Shifley seven to $8 million a year, for example. Right. So um, that's why I think it's holding it up. Cause I think the devils make a lot of sense, but yeah. you know, do they want to sign him to eight years, $80 million? Right. Well, and that's what we thought. That's what we were looking at with, um, sorry, not we, but Kevin Weeks was talking about that on the NHL network with uh, Tony Granato, because they were saying that, look, the devils would love to have uh, Connor Hellebuck, but, you know, can the Devils, with all their contracts, afford Connor Hellebuck? And that's that's the big question. And it seems like not if he wants, you know, that kind of money. And it's interesting because obviously you can structure contracts in such a way that you can try and account for what the increase in the cap is going to be because it sounds like it could, you know, obviously this year it's only going up $1 million, but mm -hmm. within two years it could be $5 million or $6 million that have been increased. So, you know, you also have to factor That's still that not in. That much though, you know what I mean? Like I, I heard, I, I heard the same, you know, report, or I was listening to Elliot talk about that as well. But like that's you're talking about you know one salary really like that's no that's I, not I understand a lot of money you know what I mean but like yeah it's, no it it's gives gone you up a little... one million dollars a year for how many years now and then it's like it's going to go up four million dollars for the twenty four twenty five season it's like <laughs> it's that, that, is, that still pales in comparison to the NBA and and oh, other yeah, sports well, let, let, let's let you know a lot more people compare the NHL contracts to the like Alan Walsh did that yesterday I was like uh, have you seen the revenue of the NBA versus the NHL I, the TV contracts like you know these things you're just being inflammatory really so. Well, Anyways, we talk about the, the the valuation of the Ottawa Senators selling for whatever they're going to sell for, yeah. you know, which is you know seems like a decent amount of money for the NHL. And then you look at what NBA or NFL teams are. Uh, have are, you or, looked at MLS for God's yeah. sakes? Like the, the this the Miami team that just got Messi is I think I think Beckham bought him for like twenty five million or something like that, and now their their value is through the roof anyways yeah. we're not we're not we're the not NHL the nhl is it, 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 it's really the big three and the nhl so when they yeah, try and pretend fine. that there's a big four eh. well no, you I have mean, players in the nba that make 30 million dollars a year right so if you just compare that, that one cool. player making 30 million dollars a year and the entire uh nhl team cap is is 83 million so that just shows you how much more money there is in the nba right yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so bringing it back to let's not become the illegal curve economic show, but I think what it comes <laughs> down to is, you know, again, we, we really should be focused on what's happening with Pierre-Luc Dubois, because to me, that's, that is the, 
that is the big matzo ball, as we say. And that is the one that I think is, is, and so you really have to focus. What kind of deal are you getting? Are you getting an LA deal where you're going to swing for the fences a little bit and probably get, we all would agree. I think your best return as a, as a trade partner because of how deep their prospect pool is, I believe, you know, ranked somewhere in the five to seven range with all their prospects, still a good team, of course, making the playoffs the last couple of years, but you know, still having a very deep prospect pool. Well, that's or, the thought of, of if you trade Quinton Byfield, then you still have like an Alex Turcott, for example. And I realize Turcott is maybe, as you know, Dave, he was a high draft pick, right? Fifth overall, I believe. Yeah. In in the 20, it was either the 2020 draft or the 2021 draft. But that's kind of the thinking, right? That like you can give up a, a Velarde because you have Byfield and Turcott, or you can give up Byfield because Velarde and Turcott are still young prospects. And then you throw in like a Brant Clark, for example, right? So right. The, the Montreal Canadiens, um, they have some good prospects as well. Like Caden Gooley, I think, is going to be a really good defenseman. Um, but I, they just don't have the same prospect pool that the Kings do. So. Well, and the, as I drew, I just want to quickly add mm-hmm. to finish the thought. But and I think the one team that that and I had um, one of one of the I like one of my guys from Twitter, and we were exchanging about it. And he said, "Well, what about Colorado on a short term deal? If sh- Colorado needs to, of course, shore up with uh, um, the injury to Ratnan and 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 him being unavailable for next season. So does Not Kevin Shevel Landeskog." Landeskog, sorry. So if 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 is Kevin Sheveldayoff willing to make that deal? Now, me personally, as we know, Kevin Sheveldayoff is generally loath to deal within the division, especially to a team that is already kind of a uh, you know a, a powerhouse. It's one thing to deal with like the Chicago Blackhawks or the Minnesota Wild when they weren't any good, but it's another thing to deal with Colorado. But you know, I think I, the Nachushkin situation as well, Dave, because like yep. it's always yeah. the point. Like, is Nachushkin done? In the NHL, like we have no idea with all the reporting and the incident that he got involved in, they signed him to a what was it a six year deal at I think six million dollars a year, right? So with the uncertain future of of Nachushkin, I think that that would make you think a lot of people aren't talking about Colorado. No, I know, and that's which I think is surprising considering you know losing to the Kraken in the first round, Dave, and the fact that you know Landeskog is going to miss the first three to four months. I think he actually might miss the whole season. No, it's the whole season. As he's done for the whole season. So I mean, and that's why, like I said. If you're the, it all depends on the Jets' plan, though, right? So, so Colorado is fine if you're not doing a sign and trade in the long term. If you need a short term option, like a, a Colorado or a Carolina makes sense for short term, willing to take Pierre Luc Dubois for next year, let him walk to Montreal. That's the the teams there, the other team's mentality. But from a Jets' perspective, you're not getting nearly as much as you would trading him to an LA with a sign and trade or t- trading him even to Montreal with a sign and trade. So, the fact of the matter is, it, to me, those are the balls that are up in the air for Kevin Sheffield off right now is whether you're going to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois on a sign and trade, which obviously means you're recouping a, a ton of assets, or are you just doing it on a more short-term basis where a team says, look, we want a guy like that for our, our shot at the, you know, Carolina. We want a shot at the Stanley Cup. Where were we lacking? Well, that would be an area we'd be lacking. Or LA Kings, you know, to give them next year, have Kopitar, Deneau, and Dubois in any configuration. So, so to me... That's kind of the way I look at it is you've got the, the big boys with the sign and trade, or if you have to do a shorter term deal, you know, in, in that regard, then you go for a Colorado where you're not worried about him hurting you for the next seven to eight years. You're just thinking, okay, he's next year's problem. But again, if your plan is to deal the big four, then you're taking a step. A sign and trade Dave makes like, I guess Dubois could be traded to a team that only signs him for one year. But the thing is the jets still need a big return. Right, like you traded Jack Roslovic and Patrick Laine for Pierre Luc mm-hmm. Dubois. So regardless, if you're trading him to a team that then signs him to a seven or eight year deal, or a team that just wants to use him for one year, Chevy has to get a, a similar return. 
right? Like you have to get a really good player back because this was a third overall pick that you traded a second overall pick and a 25th overall pick for. Look, there's no question that it's a a franchise. I think Lossalik was 25th overall, something like that. It's a franchise-defining trade. So, but I, you know, what just came out courtesy of our friends at the Athletic. I want to, I want to sort of update this. They just came out with their trade board, like they've done. They seem to be doing this on Saturdays. Uh, this yeah. is Michael Russo, Eric Dehatchik, and Pierre LeBrun. So they talk about Dubois to start and the trade, or they 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 have a big section about Dubois, and they mention really that the Kings' offer is one of. Byfield or Velarde, I mean, or, you know, not, it's likely to be one of those two. And then mm-hmm. to make the money work, because there's, you know, financial ramifications, of course, one of Alex Iafalo or Victor Arvidsson, and maybe also defenseman Sean Dursey. That seems to be what's on the table coming out of LA. Uh, if you're, the, if that's the Jets, take that deal. You can yeah, get Byfield, Iafalo, yeah. well, and Dursey. One of what, you know, from what I've heard, and I mentioned Dennis Bernstein talked about this that LA is not interested in trading Dursey. He's a guy they want to, and they have him under contract, right? I think for, for at least year. one more year. Yeah, he's under so, contract. But we'll see. I mean, then you're throwing in that. who are you throwing in, you know, from the Jets because it's not just going to be Pierre Luc Dubois for Quinton Byfield and uh, Victor Arvidsson, <laughs> Sean Dursey, or whoever else. If that's the case, holy moly, it's got to be somebody like it's got to be Vili Hainola or somebody else well, going back the other way. I'll, I'll read you the quote. Hold on, Drew, it, just it, before 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 yeah. you read the quote, all I'm going to say is plan the parade for Kevin Shovel Day off if he can get that kind of return for uh, L, from the game. Also, uh, LA is throwing in Luke Robitaille and uh, <laughs> Marcel Dion as well. The question is whether the Kings would be prepared to put Quinton Byfield in a deal as the primary piece going Winnipeg's way, or whether the Jets would be more interested in Gabe Velarde, who is a more established NHLer a player with average speed but good hands who scored 23 goals in 63 games last year to make that was the money most, work by far that was the most full year he's played so i, w- I would be i would be uh, just a little bit uh, reticent to use the word established when it comes to Gabe Velarde he's only 22 years old to make the money work the kings would probably need to shed one more contract alex iafalo or victor arvidson and maybe Sean Dursey as well. So maybe, you know, that could you very well could be Chevy feeding these guys information to put in their article. I mean, it's all posturing, yeah. and these guys are the mouthpieces for the posturing, but they're, anyways, coming out this morning, that's on The Athletic. And as well, here's the latest on Connor Hellebuck, Mark Shifley, and Blake Wheeler. Connor Hellebuck's next contract will not come in Winnipeg, blah, 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 we know that. Uh, The Devils, one team showing interest is New Jersey, but it all depends on the price of a new contract. So what you're saying is there's absolutely no news. No news on that one, yes. The the Devils are a progressive front office that just saw unheralded Aiden Hill win the Cup with Vegas. Some don't love the idea of spending big money on a goalie. They may be willing to do the deal without an extension, but that would lessen the package the Jets would get back. Mm-hmm. Then with regard to Blake Wheeler, he's looking for a change of scenery. And agent Matt Keeter is working with the Jets on this one. There are three options. An outright trade, not easy considering he's 36 years old and making $8.25 million. A trade to a team that would then buy him out. Or the Jets themselves buying him out by the 5 p.m. Eastern deadline on June 30th. So that sort of second wrinkle there about a trade to a different team that would buy him out is is an interesting one. I've heard that recently, but notice that they don't say anything about the Jets trading him and retaining any salary there. 
still an option, but that doesn't come up in that uh, in that paragraph. Okay, let's let's go back. Let's go back. No, no, to, hang on, to... one more, one more, one more, and then we got Kelly Moore coming, so we can discuss this with Kelly and then after Kelly. Uh, Mark Shifley is also entering the last year of his contract and could be on the move. Yes, I didn't know that. The, <laughs> the sense, at least right now is that the Jets aren't getting as many offers as they anticipated for the 30-year-old coming off a career-high 42-goal season. So there you go. That's, you know, maybe that the Shifley uh, sweepstakes isn't necessarily generating as many uh, entries as, as the Jets would like or the yeah, Jets not news, Drew. Back to Gabe Velarde here. Gabe Velarde actually... Yeah, I said the only news thing was the Kings. Gabe Velarde turns 24 in, in August, but the, po- the point is that Last year was his career year, and he's only played about 100 NHL games. So that's what I was talking about when you're talking about uh, established. Like, I just wouldn't say Velarde has established himself as much as Pierre-Luc Dubois has at, at 25 years old. I just wanted to get that point clear. But I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, Quinton Byfield or Gabe Velarde make the most sense as the centerpiece uh, in a trade for for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Then maybe, you know, you start throwing in guys like Victor Arvidsson or Alex Ayafalo, and then the Jets have to throw in a defenseman to go with Dubois. But that's the intriguing one for me. Yes, let's go to break. Kelly Moore of CJOB Sports is up next. Much more to come Saturday morning. We are live on, with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Saturday morning, we're live on our YouTube channel, all of our social media platforms, talking about the Winnipeg Jets. And pleased to welcome to the program the game night host for the Winnipeg Jets on our friends at 680 CJOB. He's also the sports director there, making his show debut, our good Yay. friend Kelly Moore. It took so long, Kelly. I've been I've been pushing to have you on the show for years now. Yeah, I know, but you know, Manuk, he keeps up. Every time he comes to a Jets availability, you know, just be patient, son. Just be patient. <laughs> the time will come. Kelly, <laughs> good morning. Nice of you to join us. How are things? Uh, it, uh, you know what? I'm sitting out in my backyard, having a coffee, talking hockey with the illegal curve boys. Uh, if I was to complain, people would say why. <laughs> that's a good that's very nice of you to say but people would also justifiably under the the first two things are very pleasant it's the third thing that maybe brings things down a little bit so i would understand <laughs> and uh, drew we have to congratulate kelly because kelly's daughter recently got married so we have to oh, start the show off with that right yeah yeah thank yeah actually and i was going to come on with you guys that weekend but i thought okay illegal <laughs> curve boys or my wife and my daughters being upset with me forever. So you guys finished a distant second on yes, that one. Understandably so in, in, in that situation. But we're thrilled that you're able to join us this morning to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, we're, we're, we're in crunch time. Might, some people may have said that we've already been in crunch time, but we're four days away from the NHL draft coming up on Wednesday, Kelly. Are you surprised that we sit here on this Saturday morning and – Really, nothing has occurred with regard to Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, and Wheeler, at least on the official sense, that all four are still members of the Winnipeg Jets organization? Yeah, and I think it's very important to clarify nothing you know, that resembles finality on that because uh, I, I don't know about you fellows, but I don't ever get invited to Kevin Shovel Day Off's war room. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not uh, intimately in on all of uh, the phone calls that he must be taking and making right now, you know, for those four players you, you just mentioned. And I'm the only one I'm a little bit surprised on is Pierre-Luc Dubois. I thought perhaps something might be done by now. 
uh, on that front. And I think conventional wisdom says that something should be done uh, by the draft if draft picks are something that the Winnipeg Jets think would be helpful uh, in making that trade. Uh, I know I heard you guys talking about some of the names from the Los Angeles Kings uh, that uh, you know would you would expect the Winnipeg Jets would uh, uh, come back in that part of the trade. Uh, but you can also use draft collateral to go after some other pieces. I, I mentioned it earlier this week on CJOB. You know, you, you have teams uh, around there, and it's no secret. You know, the Tampa Bay's and the uh, and the Boston Bruins. Uh, <laughs> They're in salary cap. Can I say hell on this show? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can curse Perfect. as much okay. as you want. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, I mean, let's face it. They have extreme salary cap difficulties, and they have a couple of restricted free agents who they'd love to re-sign, but I just don't see how they'll be able to do that. So, you know, you can't make a contract-for-contract contract trade with those teams, but, you know, if you could pick up a few uh, – uh, pieces as far as draft picks are concerned from some of these deals the Jets are going to make, parlay them into some of these restricted free agents. You could still strengthen your club that way. And, you know, and, and again, fellas, I want to caution. This is just me having way too much spare time and going through, you know, different uh, salary cap scenarios for hockey clubs and that. But so examples, these are not rumors. These are examples. <laughs> Tell me more reporting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But let's, you know, let's say, if the Winnipeg Jets were interested in a, a player like Ross Colton, who's shown some upward trajectory uh, during his three years with the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's one of those players that fits into the category of, man, we'd love to keep you, but we just simply don't know how. So, you know, you, you wouldn't likely be able to trade a player uh, for Ross Colton uh, unless it was maybe a real value added type contract. But obviously, I think Tampa Bay would love to recoup some of what they traded to Nashville for Tanner Janot. So now you turn some of the draft picks that you've accrued from your trades into a useful piece for the Winnipeg Jets and Tampa Bay gets something back that they want. I'm just, and again, that's just simply an example. Yeah. And when you're talking about speculation, I mean, that's, that's all we've been doing, right? Cause that's all yeah. you can do um, when you're not sure who's getting moved first and, and which team is involved, right? We think it's going to be Montreal or, or LA when it comes to Dubois and, and Kelly, right. I to stick with with um you know that idea of you know certain teams being you know in in salary cap he double hockey sticks right because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of teams i mean you can put the toronto maple leafs like right at, right at the top of that list right the edmonton oilers have been there there's a lot of teams that you know just can't make unlimited moves right and and i wanted to ask you specifically about connor hellebuck and mark shifley because as you know the shifley trade rumors have been much less quiet than the Hellebuck and the Dubois trade rumors. And then obviously, you know, it was reported by Elliot Friedman and others earlier this week that it looks like it's going to be a buyout or a trade for, for Blake Wheeler. But the question is, how likely do you think it is that we see Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck start the season with the Jets and then maybe be moved, you know, prior to next year's trade deadline, considering, you know, that all these teams have, you know, all these salary cap issues and, and might not be able to make the trades this summer. Well, I think what Kevin Chevaldayoff will do there as he is is take a look at what he would get now for either one of those players compared to what he thinks he might get uh, when teams play pay rather astronomical sums at the trade deadline. But it's also more difficult uh, to make trades for players of that caliber uh, at that time of the year. 
uh, even though, you know, the salary cap issues uh, might not be as uh, difficult to navigate around as they would be at the start of the year. But I, I, I think you're really on to something. I think it, it might be difficult for Connor Hellebuck uh, to be traded if he's really stuck on that nine to nine and a half million dollar mark uh, for a long term contract. You know, because we've heard all the stories. Yes, New Jersey would love to have a guy like Hellebuck between the pipes, but uh, their budget just simply doesn't uh, accommodate paying nine to nine and a half million for a starting uh, netminder, even though he's a, a guy with a proven track record, you know, who can play uh, 60 to 65 games for you at a very high level. Uh, so I think that, and, and then with Mark Shifley, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, uh, I, I don't really know where they sit on the finality of are things over. And I think what could be really intriguing for Mark Shifley is if he was to say start the year here, depending on the pieces the Jets get. And conventional wisdom would tell you that when you're a hockey club making as many changes as we anticipate the Jets will, because it's not just the big four. You know, you also have five unrestricted free agents. How many of them are going to get re-signed, if any? So, you know, now all of a sudden you're talking about almost half of your lineup being turned over. Uh, and so there's not going to be any instant chemistry, however important that might be. But if it did all come together and all of a sudden, you know, the, the uh, optics of where the Winnipeg Jets are in February or March uh, are much different from a positive aspect than what they are right now, who knows? Maybe a player's attitude changes. So, you know, I, I, Mark Shifley's kind of a gray area. Uh, you know, Connor Hellebach and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler are, are certainly more uh, definite on, on where they sit with the hockey club. Well, and Kelly, we, we tend to focus on those big four for a reason. They're the ones who are making all the news. But the Jets have some questions on defense and what they're going to do in that regard because they've got a number of young guys coming up or who want to come up. Billy Haynoll, unfortunately for him, still waiver-exempt next season, but a guy like Declan Chisholm is no longer waiver-exempt. And you know he's champing at the bit to get into the NHL and become an NHL regular. But you don't want to have a Johnny Kovacevic situation yeah. where you lose a guy and he goes and plays 65 games with another organization. So what do you think is going to happen there? Because I think it's a little bit less discussed is the fact that the Jets have to make some room. And of course, Dylan Sandberg, we know he's going to be an everyday NHLer with the Jets, but what do you do with Logan Stanley? So yeah. there are seem, I mean, again, it's, it's funny how many, this is the, the biggest summer I would suspect because it's not just those top guys who may have not been perceived as an issue, but now you've also got all these other issues, smaller end on the back end. Yeah, well, I think for sure, when you take a look at it uh, from a restricted free agent point of view, uh, it would be shocking if uh, neither Morgan Barron or Dylan Sandberg weren't part of the Winnipeg Jets in the fall. I think those guys are pieces that uh, this club views uh, uh, as very valuable and going forward. Logan Stanley, though, could be one of those value-added contracts, if you will, that could be included in a deal. Uh, so then that opens up a spot or a Vili Hainala, or a Declan Chisholm. But the one thing that you fall into a bit of a trap door uh, with is, you know, size and grit-wise, you still have Brendan Dillon. Uh, you still have Dylan Sandberg, who I think is going to really grow from his experience at the uh, World Hockey Championship Tournament. Uh, so you're bringing in, a, you know, a, another Neil Pionk, Josh Morrissey, to a certain degree, you know, Dylan DeMello type, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a big risk if you're not going to keep 
Declan Chisel. May have anything. And I know as much as Kyle Capobianco would come in and play uh, and and do the necessary things for you in a pinch. Uh, but I think I'd be I'd be a little bit more tempted, especially because he's going into the final year of his contract this year, uh, to maybe uh, if you're going to take a chance on a player getting claimed on waivers, maybe let him uh, uh, try to slip him through the uh, the cracks rather than risking losing a Declan Chisel. It's make or break year for Billy Hainala, both for the player and I think for the organization. If you don't know now what Billy Hainala is going to bring to your hockey club, when will you ever know? So uh, I think, uh, you know, Billy's going to still, it's on his shoulders to get the job done in training camp in the preseason. And I think he's going to see a lot of action. Uh, And and so there has to be a decision made there. If he's still around, because you'd have to think when all these trade talks are are taking place, that Billy Hainala is part of a lot of conversations. Kelly Moore, game night host for the Winnipeg Jets, is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know Kelly is the sports director of 680 CJOB here in Winnipeg. Kelly, given the tenor of how the season ended last year, with Rick Bonus saying A and the players coming back hard and saying B and there clearly being a divide between their perception, do you think that it's going to be difficult for them to bridge that divide with the upcoming start of the season? Or do you think that the turnover in the locker room, turnover in the dressing room will sort of assist with making things a little bit more copacetic between coach and players? Well, I'm going to sound like my wise old guy playing checkers on the park bench here. (laughs) But, uh, you know, how many occasions have you guys had in your lives, whether it was with your parents or an uncle or brother, whatever, angry words are spoken, opposing views are expressed, and then... You know, once uh, once the uh, the uh, anger or the emotions have died down, you talk it out and you move on. And, Time and heals so, all wounds. Yeah, and so I, I think you know. Let's face it. One of the it's great for us in mm-hmm. the media, uh, but uh, you know, one of the the difficult challenges for hockey clubs is that season is over. Exit availability day, also known as garbage bag day, uh, you know, comes on the heels of the most disappointing time of the year, either A, you didn't make the playoffs, or B, you got punted out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, emotions were running pretty high. I I really don't think that it's going to be that difficult uh, for uh, everything to start fresh in training camp. I would suspect that, you know, those uh, telephone uh, calls and conversations have already been had uh, even since uh, all of that took place back in uh, late April. But, uh, you know, the one thing I would disagree uh, with, and it's simply my opinion. I don't say it's wrong. I just disagree with it. Uh, I don't think there was a player revolt. I don't think Blake Wheeler led a player revolt. Blake Wheeler was asked a question, and he responded to it honestly. He, he shared his feelings, uh, you know, on how uh, he perceived Rick Bonus's postgame comments. And let's face it, you know, I know you guys were doing a postgame show that night. Trevor Kidd was on with me. And our jaws dropped. And I've been around for a few years. I've never, ever heard anything like what Rick Bonus expressed in that 57 seconds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from from that perspective, uh, I, I wasn't surprised that the players reacted the way that they did. I was disappointed, though, that, you know, after saying, I don't like what Rick Bonus said, he should have talked to us first, there should have been a but, you know, considering how we played, 
mm-hmm. we probably deserve that. And, you know, so that was, that was the part from uh, in every player. I don't remember one player, you know, saying that, you know what, yeah. the coach was probably valid uh, in the long run. He just didn't need to express it publicly. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, we, we may still talk about it, and certainly uh, it, it, it'll be the fans that will talk about it. And then, you know, it all comes down to the hockey club. If they, <laughs> if they struggle, you know, then there's going to be this perceived carryover. Right. If they play well, then, well, they got over it. So we talked about earlier, Kelly, that, you know, we were expecting Blake Wheeler to be bought out or traded to another team that's going to buy him out or traded to another team that that he's going to play for next year. And I wanted to ask you about the legacy of Blake Wheeler, because, I mean, say whatever you want about Blake Wheeler over the last two, two to four years. But this is a guy who, you know, served as captain of the team. He's been a member of the Jets 2.0 for every single minute that they've been here. And, you know, especially when you go back to that 2017-18 run, Wheeler mm-hmm. was obviously a, a huge part of it, along with, you know, Dustin Bufflin and, and Jacob Truba and and many others that are still on, on the Jets. But for you, kind of what stands out to you about his time as a Jet? Not just, you know, the last few years, as I mentioned, but, you know, over the last 12 years, because he's obviously been, you know, an integral part of the core. Well, you know, one of the things that Blake Wheeler did, and and it's even before this current contract that uh, uh, runs its course at the end of this season, uh, but when he re-upped for that uh, other contract where he was getting $5.6 million, I think, on the uh, average annual value, you know, he, he, Andrew Ladd, and Dustin Bufflin, and I think you can uh, put Brian Little into that category as well, they were the front runners in, in setting uh, the groundwork for players to commit to this franchise long term. Uh, and you know, everybody, and, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I take a look at what has happened to Blake Wheeler over the first four years of this uh, $41.25 million contract. And it, the start of that contract has almost coincided with the leveling off of Blake Wheeler's impact as one of the marquee players in the National Hockey League. But let's put ourselves for a second into the skates of Blake Wheeler. And for those previous four or five years, when he was making $5.6 million, mm-hmm. man, I'll tell you what, he was one of the most underpaid players in the league, you know, putting together back-to-back 90-point seasons, and uh, while others were getting paid 3 or $4 million a year more and not even coming close to that. So I think if you, if you average it out uh, for the course of his career, Blake Wheeler has given great, great value to this Winnipeg Jets franchise. Uh, It's just unfortunate, and it happens a lot, uh, that that last big payday seems to uh, come when, uh, you know, the player just isn't able to maintain that high standard uh, that he's had. But, you know, and uh, uh, Dave, I know you've been in media scrums. uh, Ezzy and and Drew, I don't know how many you've, uh, you know, been in uh, where you put a mic in front of the face of Blake Wheeler. Kelly, I'm a journalism grad, okay? I, I like I, I took Crecom. I, I've I've been in a lot of scrums. Drew, okay. we, we only we only wake up Drew for the important meetings. <laughs> okay. I, I I've been at the I've been at the uh, victims end of a Blake Wheeler withering okay. <laughs> comment uh, in my day. So yes, I know where you're going with this. And uh, yeah. yes, yeah. So I mean, he has not been, uh, you know, Mister Warm and Cuddly no. with the media. But I'll tell you what, Blake Wheeler has given a lot to this community and a lot of it we never see because he prefers to do it under the radar. You know, there are times where the hockey club, uh, you know, wants to, uh, to feature him uh, in some of their digital content. And I'm 
thinking that he probably would prefer that not to be the case. He just liked to do what he does, uh, you know, on his own. But he's he's great with the fans. He really is. And he has given, he and his wife, Samantha, uh, and their family have given a lot uh, to this community. So, you know, I, I'm not trying to um, uh, brush over, you know, some of the things that have been said and done because uh, I don't know if Blake ever looks back on it and say, May, maybe I should have done it this way or maybe I should have reacted in a different way. But the one thing Blake Wheeler does, he, he gives you, uh, his honest answer and sometimes honesty uh, isn't always, uh, you know, a, a comfortable thing for someone on the other end. But I, I think when Blake Wheeler looks back, uh, and I agree with what he said uh, in his availability uh, at the end of this past season, and that is, you know, he came to work and gave everything he could. Like there was an eight-year stretch there, guys, where he missed something like six games. Two of them were. Uh, because the coach decided, you know what, it's the end of the season. We've wrapped up a playoff spot. Let's give you a bit of a rest here. Uh, and then the other four were injury-related. Uh, but for how hard he played, how many minutes he played, uh, that was phenomenal durability. And, of course, you know, it's well-documented uh, how he's been able to manage pain. And one of the things he said, and I think it was during his availability before playing his 1,000th game, and that was, uh, you know, you can play through pain. Uh, but you can't play through an injury. And I've been very fortunate just to have been able to have to play through pain. But again, that's the other part of father time that is caught up. I think, what is it? Uh, I'm trying to remember 26 games, I think, that he's missed in the last three years, uh, whether it was COVID or an assortment of injuries, compared to the six over eight seasons previous to that. When you think about it, though, Kelly, he ruptured a testicle last year and somehow only oh. missed 10 games. <laughs> the rest of us would be would be still on the IR for the rest of our lives. Oh. But uh, you're absolutely right when it comes to... Yeah, I'd be, I'd be sitting here gingerly on my couch. <laughs> Even just the mere mention of that makes me squirm. Sorry, I'm Kelly, sure. I promised you yesterday that Drew wasn't going to say ruptured testicle. But yeah. obviously, you know, he... <laughs> yes, that was one of the That's disclosures right. of this interview. No. <laughs> no, that was in your contract. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Moore is our guest here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Saturday morning, we're live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Now, Kelly, I, I'm not sure if you've ever played any net in your life, but you may need to next season because the Jets could be without Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. They could, if they're lucky, be without David Riddich. And so the, the reality is, Oscary Salmonen, Arvid Holm, you know, I watched him obviously a lot with the Moose last season, but we know obviously the Jets are going to have to go out potentially. We don't know what's going to happen with Connor Hellebuck, but potentially and get someone who's going to back him up. But what do you see happening there? Because in theory, do you see, and as he's mentioned this before, it's not entirely, it doesn't have to necessarily be a goalie for goalie trade. It could be Shifley for a goalie or, or Dubois for a goalie. It, you know, it could be that you're replacing one with the other. But of course, you're not going to trade Dubois because you're most likely going to, that'll be the first domino to fall. But what do you see happening in net? Because, you know, it's not necessarily clear that the guys in the AHL are ready to necessarily jump into that backup role. And you don't, and you potentially could have two uh, spaces to fill. And we know as much as everybody likes Dominic DiVincentis, the uh, seventh rounder from 2022, the OHL goalie of the year, he's still a, a ways away from being a ways away. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I mean, you remember when Connor Hellebuck was drafted in 2012, mm. you know, he didn't get to the NHL till 2016. So even if you put Dominic DiVincentis on that kind of a timeline, 
Exactly. You know, we're talking 2026, 2027. So, yeah, you know, let's see how he percolates uh, in his last year of junior uh, and then maybe in a couple of years a minor pro. It's very interesting because one of the – every Monday I do a Jets report on, on CJOB, and I had this script written up uh, about, uh, you know, what were the Jets going to do about a backup netminder? This is before uh, all the news came out about Connor Hellebuck. And so I, I, it, this has never gone to air, so I'm kind of sharing this. I hope my <laughs> employers don't uh, get too upset with me. But, uh, you know, I, I, I posed the question, did Oscar Salmonen do enough in the playoff run against Milwaukee to at least get on the radar of, uh, of being a capable backup? But that was based on Connor Hellebuck being here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's face it, I don't believe – that the Winnipeg Jets are going to go into the 2023-24 season uh, with Oscari, Salmon, and Arvid Holm as their tandem. Uh, and the saving grace, I think, for Winnipeg is uh, this this particular free agent class of 2023 is not particularly deep except uh, for goaltending options. You know, and uh, it's still early, uh, and you always think, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee get their man in uh, Vegas, uh, but I wonder if, you know, Aiden Hill uh, is going to take a look at what he accomplished in the playoffs and parlay that into going to work for another organization. And we don't know what's happening with Robin Leonard. If Leonard has to come off of LTIR, uh, then, you know, that impacts Aiden Hill for getting the kind of money that he has earned uh, with how he played in the postseason. So, you know, between Aiden Hill, I don't know where Tristan Jari is sitting right now with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, but there are options out there. Anti-Ranta, right? Freddie Anderson. Yeah, the only thing with those guys, though, as he is, can they stay healthy? And and how much are they a product of that incredible defensive system of the Carolina Hurricanes? Good point, yeah. You know, I, and I was thinking, though, you know, like uh, – Peter Kovechkov, you know, if Carolina ever entered into discussions with the Winnipeg Jets uh, on Connor Hellebuck, I don't think they are. But if they did, you know, uh, if Kevin Shevoldayoff uh, would, would able to maybe get Carolina to part with Kovechkov, I don't think they will. I think he's seen as the goaltender of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, he can. we know he can score goals. We saw it here yeah. uh, against the Manitoba Moose. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he'd help out with the offense. But uh, So I think that, you know, if there was ever a year for your goaltending situation to be clouded, uh, I think this might not be a, a bad time to have that happen. And, and the other part of it too, is let's say if Connor Hellebuck is traded to the New Jersey devils, well, you know, young Schmidt, mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen a really, really small sample size with him. Uh, and then, you know, once uh, everybody got a bit of a book on him, then all of a sudden the goals again started to go up in that Carolina series. Uh, and, and Mackenzie Blackwood, again, great potential, but has had difficulty trying to stay healthy. So, you know, in, in that regard, I don't know if either one of those goaltenders would, would fit into what the Winnipeg Jets need. Uh, but I, I would think that with the dollars that are going to be available through these deals, if they're done by July the 1st, and that's where I think everybody is suspecting that the Jets will buy out Blake Wheeler, uh, to create that extra cap space so that they're uh, in the, the hunt, you know, for some of these uh, UFA goaltenders. Uh, but the, the other tricky part to that is, okay, so you sign a UFA goaltender, but you haven't traded Connor Hellebuck yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're into the 11 to $12 million range, you know, that's tied up between the pipes. 
Kelly, last question for you. We've touched on Hellebuck. We've touched on Wheeler. We've touched on Dubois. Not a lot of talk about Mark Shifley. Mm -hmm. If you were putting on your prognostication hat, does Shifley start the season with the Winnipeg Jets, or do you still see him being dealt between now and training camp? I would say that the, the chances are better that he starts the year with the Winnipeg Jets uh, than not uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, the priorities clearly are the first three names that you mentioned. They have mm-hmm. to be dealt with. Uh, there's only so many uh, hours in a day for Kevin Cheveldap. And, and let's face it, there are only so many potential landing spots for these marquee players because the Winnipeg Jets aren't the only team that are looking to offload. You guys know what's going on in Calgary. You know, mm-hmm. Philadelphia is trying to have a fire, fire sale. Daniel Breer kind of uh, set the tone for that. So, you know, it's not just Winnipeg. It's, you know, some other teams that are looking uh, to maybe move some pretty significant pieces as well. There's only so many places that those uh, players can wind up. So, and, and, and the other part to that too is uh, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be traded. To at least give yourself a fighting chance, I think you have to have uh, a player who's perceived to be a number one center in your lineup. So uh, for all of those reasons, I think Mark Shifley will start the year. I would not be nearly as confident as telling you guys uh, that he will end the year uh, with an extension uh, and continue on as a Winnipeg Jet. Kelly Moore is the game night host of Jets broadcasts on our friends 680 CJOB and of course Power 97. Kelly, a great debut performance. We'll have to do it again real soon because you now have set the bar for yourself and you're going to have to keep (laughs) exceeding it show after show, appearance after appearance. You'll know I'm a gamer. That if I'm sitting in this same location and coming on a show in December or January. That's right. That's what we want to see. We want to see you outside. And it better not be a green screen. We better see the, the leaves on those trees and everything like that. <laughs> Kelly, thank you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Congratulations on your uh, on your daughter's wedding. And we'll do it again real soon. You bet. Thanks a bunch, fellas. There Thanks so much, Kelly. Kelly Moore, CJOB 68, 680 CJOB. I was going to ask Kelly if there's any wedding cake left over, but I thought it's been two weeks. It's probably, all the cake's probably gone, right? That, probably, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't uh, you don't need any more of that uh, cake. I think you're good on the cake front there, Mr. Ginsburg. Let's go to break. When we come back. Are you saying that I'm obese, Drew? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm am. confident you've had cake already this week. I had cake this morning. There you go. Exactly what I was confident about. Much more Jets talk to come when we return. The Flames fire sale appears to be getting underway. How does that impact potentially a Winnipeg Jets uh, multiple of moves in this offseason. Apparently, that, Harvey the Hound has no intention of re-signing with the Calgary Harvey the Hound's out, too. Yeah. Hopefully, we can keep our hands on Mickey Moose and Benny, though. We don't want to see it become a full-scale teardown. Much more to come. Craig Button with uh, NHL Draft Talk at the bottom of the hour. Stay tuned. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? 
Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rolly's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs of Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It rolls on on this Saturday morning. We have some breaking news. Dave M., why don't you announce the breaking news? No, 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 no. I mean, I did already in the chat so everyone knows, but for the folks listening on the podcast... If you're downloading the podcast and you're thinking, I should also subscribe to the show, we have a new goal. We hit 5,000 during this show, so we appreciate the the, the four or five new subscribers that we've just received. Yeah. But now our new goal is 6,000. So let's 6, get us 6,000 as soon as we can, and uh, we'll keep that climb going for uh, IC Nation. So 5,000, boys. Muzzle top to us. I That's a big number. We're back down to four thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine. I've had enough. Well, Drew, I don't want to. I don't want to question numbers, but we're at five thousand and one. Damn it! You, Does YouTube send us anything? Like, are we going to get a plaque or like a banner? Or something? I might. I might create like a little fake plaque that'll like you know because I think it's a hundred thousand is the milestone. But I'll just create like a little. I'll get someone to create a little YouTube one. It'll be five k. Guys, but Kenny's I, water bottle actually just unsubscribed, so we're back down to four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. All right. Well, anyways, the point is that when we started, we weren't remember back in the day, this YouTube was our only social media. We did. We had a channel. We never really used it. In yeah. fact, I think the only thing we'd ever posted on here as he was the sacking video, which actually little known fact and I don't want to go too far off uh, the beaten path because we'll uh, talk about that for 25 minutes. But that actually restarted illegalcurve.com because we had mothballed illegalcurve.com for a bit. And then the sacking video got things, got the juices flowing yeah. uh, for everybody. Do you remember what those kids, the best, the best is like for, for those who used to listen to us on TSN 1290, we actually had those kids on. 
Yeah. Like they were like in high school at the time. I don't know if you remember their names, Dave. But I, don't. I remember Richie I have, I have was a post on for on that them. show. I think it yeah. might, I think Drew might have been away for that show, but Remus. There's no way Drew would have Drew would not have taken part of that. Never have let that get put on. Anyways, air under yeah. my the point wall. is the best is we they came on. It was metric, right? If I'm not mistaken, yes, he was playing yes. when the, that's the reason why happened. I was watching Ezzy. That's and why I was watching because I like metric. Them breaking it down, Dave. He was like, "Yeah, I just thought I was going to sack my friend," and like we we actually did a 10 minute radio segment. On the sacker and the sacky and, and the video, why the and radio like station that. no longer exists. Although, uh, in our defense, that would have worked well on Funny Twelve Ninety. That, <laughs> that could have been that could have been good for Funny Twelve Ninety. The point of the story was we had very few, and then the, during the COVID year, when we started to build this channel up a little bit, uh, we got it up to a decent number, and then you guys have have really made it fantastic. So, our thanks to everyone who's helped Illegal Curve get to five k, and uh, we're looking forward to to hitting some some next new totals uh coming soon so we appreciate everybody subscribing thank you there you go well done so uh, the, before we went to break and that was a great interview with kelly moore big thanks to him for joining us this morning i i i i, I mentioned the calgary flame situation because frank saravelli basically in a series of tweets he was either yesterday or two days ago just eviscerated the the flames organization and their hopes and dreams of re-signing a number of their key players which sounds Oddly familiar to what we're experiencing here in Winnipeg. He mentioned Noah Noah Hannafin. Uh, he mentioned uh, who else did uh, did uh, Frank who didn't mention? he mention? Yeah, uh, Noah Hannafin. We're talking about Elias Lindholm. Drew. We're yes, talking Elias about Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli. Backland. Yeah, Michael yeah. Back. Michael Backlund has played his. He's a first round pick of the Flames. He spent his whole career mm-hmm. with the Flames organization. Tyler Backlund Toffoli. to me was ve- yeah. was very surprising. Backlund's a good two way center, but yeah, when you're talking about Toffoli, I mean Lindholm guys. I mean, wouldn't Lindholm look good, you know, on the Winnipeg Jets? Like, I don't know if your guys, your minds went there. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a fit there with uh, you know a trade because it seems like you know, Calgary isn't on, you know, Dubois' list of teams that he wants to go to. And I'm not sure with Jacob Markstrom there if if, if Hellebuck makes a lot of sense. But if you think about it, the Flames are in a very similar position uh, with the Jets in that they have many players who are unhappy with their current situation and and might be moved before the draft starts on Wednesday. As we call that the Atlanta curse. Well, there you go. That's actually well done, Dave. That's a good point. So my question for you guys is, you know, Craig Conroy appears to, you know, he's a rookie general manager there in Calgary now, but he's now facing a and, very- And mention Iggy because and Jerome McGinley is the special is advisor. Well. Yep. Yeah. Conroy and Iggy. So, you know, he's facing a, a, a an interesting situation here where he's almost being forced to also retool, rebuild this Flames, uh, this Flames team on the fly. Do you expect that what's happening in Calgary might end up having some impact on the Winnipeg Jets? That the Jets, you know, were in a good position in that we know the UFA market is pretty terrible and the Jets had all these assets that were available in trade. But now there's another team in Calgary that's got a whole bunch of quality assets that might be available in trade and say a team that if the Jets were using some leverage saying, hey, there's only so many good guys available and I have a lot of them, well, here's another team that's got more players that are now available on the trade market and could see some teams pivoting towards the Flames and away from the Jets. I mean, it's just Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, it, and it starts with Elias Lindholm for me, boys. Like, Elias Lindholm, I believe he's making, what, $4.5 million a year with one year left? 4.85, yeah, and, but and, close enough, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, a couple of years ago was Elias Lindholm's breakout year. I believe he had 42 goals that year, 80-plus points, right? So Lindholm directly impacts the trade market, right? Because you're talking about centers, right? Scheifele, right. Dubois, Lindholm. So I, I I think, you know, what you're 
you know, kind of getting at Drew is more so not a trade involving the Jets and Flames, just no. how now, it, you know, things are being clouded, right? And then you throw in like a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, right, who might end up, you know, re-signing with the Leafs, but he's obviously kind of the prized free agent, right? Guys, we've talked about it. Like, you know, when you're talking about guys like Dmitry Orlov or, or Tyler Bertuzzi, right, Dave, like, you know, the names that are out there, it's not a very mm. strong UFA class, right? So, in that sense, yeah, I mean, like, if you're, I don't know, a, a team like Boston, let's say, right, we believe Patrice Bergeron isn't coming back, yet it hasn't been announced officially, and then, you know, is David, David Krejci back, right? Because, like, you're talking about a team in the Bruins who, you know, you lose those two really key players up the middle, then now you're going to be in the in the market. So, like, when I thought of Elias Lindholm, I'm thinking, what about Boston? Like, they would lo- like, Lindholm is a really good player. I mentioned it, right? Like, a couple of years ago, he was a point-per-game player. Um, you know, his numbers, I'm just looking now, he had 64 points in, in 80 games. But needless but to say, he he's seem, a... Doesn't he seem way more like a Boston kind of player than Mark yeah. Shifley? Because we've heard Mark Shifley's name a little bit mentioned. Well, Lindholm's a much Boston better Bruins. defensive center, right? right. And, and the thing is, yeah, I mean, look at... I mean, the, the, his salary, he's underpaid Lindholm. And, and Shifley, I would argue, is as well. But, you know, when you're talking about Lindholm for $4.8 million, guys, like, to me, he's more, he's like a $7.5 to $8 million a year player, right? When you consider that, you know, as we mentioned, he hit 40 goals a couple of years ago, right? So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, Craig Conroy and Jerome Aginla are starting off in this situation, right? Like, it's not a great, it's not an enviable position to be in, right, Dave? Like, Noah Hannafin is a good defenseman. You know, he's still, uh, you know, what is he, 29, 30 years old? Like, he's still got a lot of good years left. Um, so you've got to think there's going to be a lot of teams interested in Hannafin Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli, right? right? Toffoli's got the cup experience, the Stanley Cups. He's a guy that can score goals. So, I mean, yeah, it looks like Craig Conroy is going to be, you know, making some moves in the but coming I could days also and see, I can also see Conroy, Dave, being far more aggressive and, and being far more definitive with his actions and his moves than Kevin Dayoff is you know, we know how uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff likes to play the long game and he likes to drag it out and he likes to make sure that every I is dotted three times and every T is crossed three times before finally making his move. I wonder if that paralysis by analysis could end up costing the Winnipeg Jets and seeing another team pivot to Calgary now. That would be a concern, I think, that wasn't necessarily there 48 or 72 hours ago when it didn't appear as though the Flames were going to have to be going through a very similar situation to what the Jets are going through. I'll be honest with you, Drew. I'm just trying to figure out what word Kevin Sheveldayoff is spelling with I and T. <laughs> on the contract that's that's my that's my bigger concern right now i'm trying to figure is it brexit is it shit who knows what word it is is that the end of your joke or are you going to answer my question um no i mean look because boy that but, wasn't a great one that was not uh, your best material i gotta tell you i, I, thought, I thought it was okay i thought it was okay uh, i could have like, gotten i was expecting a bit of I mean, a there's more, a lot uh, of words that have an i, I and a t in them i was, ex- I was expecting more of a high course huh you didn't no, get you anything? weren't getting a ha from me on that one I all right that's you. fine that's like the right. sacking videos that's that's your forte <laughs> juvenile humor is, is generally more my my area of expertise yeah. for sure anyways um Look, I think it's it's certainly possible that that Craig Conroy, who is probably as he, I think I'm even saying the most well liked guy. I don't think I've ever not seen him smile. He's always got a big smile. The nicest across guy across yeah. his face. We've, and we've a great we've, hockey we've, player as well. Yeah, Back and we, we've, yeah. yeah, and we've 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 seen him here in Winnipeg, and when he was, I guess he was the AGM, or you know, and and you could just see he's just nice. He's always talking and that sort of thing. 
not that that has anything to do with anything, but yeah, look, I, I could see him being aggressive because Calgary has to figure out they're kind of in that mushy middle, right? You've got a goaltender in Markstrom who just is inexplicable given how good he was in Vancouver, how good he had been in Calgary to start that you expected him to be that lights out. And then he just, the lights went out with Jacob Markstrom, unfortunately for him. And he just hasn't had that confidence that he seemed to have had. And obviously they've got in, in, in what's Dustin Wolf with the Wranglers that he's kind of the goalie of the future, potentially there in Calgary. And obviously this is, I don't want Spencey to start accusing us of being, uh, doing flames lunch right now, but I think it's, it, it is interesting. And, and I think the focus bringing it back to Winnipeg will be what do, what does Kevin Shevelyov have to get done? And, and ultimately, you know, again, I, I really, I keep coming back to this idea that I really think that folks are hearing four names and, oh, are all four going to be back? And it sounds great. And you can make it on it. To be honest with you, some of the, some of the banners I've read and some of the headlines are so stupid and, and ridiculous that you're reading them and you're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And, and the truth is, Again, I, I would just caution Jets fans. This is my own sort of analysis, if you will, of the situation. I don't think that you're necessarily going to see a mass exodus of the top four of those four players. I really think Dubois, 100%. That's the that's the Ginsburg guarantee I'm giving you. But other than other than Pierre Luc Dubois, I'm not quite as aggressive in my assertion that you're going to see those other three moves. So, well, and Wheeler, um, right? Like based on the reports, uh, right? Like Mike McIntyre. I don't. I, I appreciate the reports. Come on, Dave. It's not looking good for Wheeler. I, I'm Wheeler not saying. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying otherwise. Sticking with I, I sticking do. with the Jets is what I'm saying. It might be looking good for Wheeler in terms of going to another team, but I mean everything I, Dave is pointing to a, a buyout sure, or a trade. Sure. Hey, as sometimes you got to be the contrary son, and I'm going to be the contrary son on this one. And 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 I don't disagree with what Kelly said. You know, you, you in the heat of the moment, things get said. Do, do can time heal wounds, and can guys? I'll get back on the same page. And kumbaya. I believe that is the case. And again, I'm not suggesting that Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and Connor Hellebuck are all going to be Jets to start uh, the preseason schedule, which, if you haven't seen it, is on allelecurve.com. Six games, Ottawa, two against Ottawa, two against Calgary, and two against Edmonton. Uh, for those who get excited about preseason, that would not be the Leo Curve hockey show. We will not be doing post-game shows for the preseason. As an FYI, we won't no. be starting our post-game till sometime in middle October, but... I, I again, I, I really think the focus needs to be where it is, which is on Con, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and and what sort of assets you're going to get. And so, that to me is ultimately the biggest question mark for the Jets. What what happened in Calgary? I agree, Drew plays a role in the sense that it makes the market it it makes you less uh, diverse, and you you know there are other players now There's who more are looking to, available who are looking teams. to deal yeah. for sure, and and that's unfortunate. So that is why if you're if you're Kevin Chevaldeoff, you really need to address. The one thing you need to address right now, which is Pierre-Luc Dubois has told you he's not going to sign a contract. He's not even going to sign his qualifying offer. Mm -hmm. So the reality is that if you're the Winnipeg Jets, that's the only thing you need to focus on. Connor Hellebuck has a contract. Pierre uh, Mark Shifley has a contract. And uh, Blake Wheeler has a contract. So those three guys are not imperative. And I've already said on this show that if you want to recoup draft uh, assets for this team next year, this is the draft to do that. So that could increase that. But again, as I've always said, I've already said, Pierre-Luc Dubois is the guy you you got to be focused on. And Ezzy, if those returns, and that to me is the, what we should have been talking about, if the returns are even close to what the guys in the athletic are reporting, and if that's right. not, as Drew just said, posturing, yeah. if you can get Jersey, if you can get Byfield, and you can get Iafalo for Pierre-Luc Dubois and Logan Stanley, I'm sorry, you're doing that trade every day of the week. You should have. You should have had. You should have completed that trade already. Is what you're saying, and I agree with you. I mean, at a point in time, 
and I know that, you know, look, general managers, especially Kevin Shovel Day off, subscribe to deadline hunting. And we've talked about deadline hunting on this show for very many years that, you know, things often don't happen until you get closer to the deadline when your hand is forced. Kevin Shovel Day off often seems to be one of those general managers. Well, I mean, if that offer is on the table, then there's no reason not to jump at that offer. I don't know that it's going to get any better than that. I don't know that LA is so desperate that they're going to insist that, uh, you know, that, that they're going to sweeten that offer, especially now where there are alternatives, theoretically, as for them to pivot in another direction where they could maybe look at somebody else that maybe, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't the only center option out there for them to to go in and and, and tweak their lineup. There's nobody like Pierre-Luc Dubois, though, available. There, he's a rare player. We've talked about it, right? Like the power forward. But if Elias combo. Lindholm costs you a fraction of what Pierre-Luc Dubois does, and I know that they're not apples though, to he apples. He wouldn't, though, Drew, because Lindholm is a better player than Dubois. Well, but at his age, are you, you think it's going to cost them more than what they're offering, what they're allegedly have on the market for uh, for Pierre Luc Dubois? Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me who I think is a better player mm-hmm. offensively and defensively, it's Elias Lindholm. Right. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I would say that the the biggest appeal for Dubois or the 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 feather in Dubois's cap in that comparison would be his youth compared to Lindholm. But it's not it's not substantial. It's only about how old is Lindholm? Twenty seven. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking about a guy who's in the prime of his career, right? Or maybe not. I mean. I think we've talked about this before. I mean, forwards best numbers are usually between kind of 23 and 28, but regardless, I mean, Dubois hasn't scored 42 goals and 82 points, right? Like Mm -hmm. Lindholm is a great player, but so all I'm saying is, yeah, like if LA wants, if LA can go with Kopitar, Deneau, and, and Lindholm up the middle, I mean, guys, that's the best center depth one, two, three in the entire league, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, Lindholm is an option, I guess, for LA, but you're going to have to look, you're, We've talked about this. L.A., because of their cap situation, is going to have to give up most likely more than just Gabe Velarde or Quinton Byfield. That's why, you know, Dave mentioned Alex Iafallo and Victor Arvidsson are the, the two guys, right? But one just of getting the, away one from of the, the two. One of the two. Sure. Getting away from the, the fixation on L.A. You know, I, I, I disagree with Dave. Like, you know, a, a lot has changed. A month ago, I would have said that, you know, for sure Dubois and then the other three are question marks, Dave. But with the reporting, I mean, Dubois and Wheeler are not playing for the Jets next year. I think you guys would agree with that. And then with Hellebuck, you know, he if he doesn't want to sign long term, I mean, it's just a matter of time. You only have two options. You trade him now or you trade him prior to the trade deadline. And for me, like, I don't think that's a situation you want to be in where you're moving. Like, if the Jets are in the second wildcard spot come February next February, then you're going to trade Connor Hellebuck at the trade deadline. So, I think, you know, the only guy right now that I'm leaning towards being a part of the Jets next year is Shifley. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would and he agree. might be traded too. Well, I mean, you like I said, the Athletics says the Jets aren't getting the offers that they would expect for Shifley, and I'm not surprised by that. I mean, you know, you can't be – you can't – even if you score 40 goals, which he did this year, 42. 42. Yeah, you know, people don't – teams don't want to pay – you know, a huge price for a one trick pony, even if that the one trick that the pony does is the hardest trick to pull off. It, you know, you, you, he needed to show some level of commitment on the defensive end that he's never shown in his career. And, you know, 
teams know this teams i mean again we've talked about this the nhl is the worst high school in the world when it comes to gossip if a player is a problem or if a player doesn't have the give a bleep factor on the defensive end of things some teams uh, you know are really going to have a hard time overlooking that you know rod brindamore and the carolina hurricanes have an identity that identity is starts in their own zone it starts with you know, defensive responsibility. The Boston Bruins have a similar identity. That's why Mark Shifley just, I mean, I know that he can score goals and I know teams want that, but you're not going to upend your team's philosophy and your team's identity for that. He's not that superior of a talent that everything no. else that he does does is worth overlooking. Yeah, true. But I mean, I think the hope would be that if he goes to a, first of all, it's kind of like any of these guys. They're no longer the big dogs. If they go to a new team, they Mm -hmm. have to adapt. They don't get to be Mark Shifley, the guy who's been, you know, the first draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets and essentially gets to run the room the way he wants it. He has to go there and he basically has to be with no voice and adapt or die. Right. And so the reality is if you're going to go play in Boston or if you're going to go play in Carolina, I don't care if you're 30 years old, you're basically a rookie to them. And again, Carolina is a perennial contender and Boston's a champion. So you're going to have to listen to those guys. You're going to have to, you know, t- keep quiet and listen. And one of the things that I said, you know, at the end of the season with Mark Shifley, I said it at some point, I don't remember when exactly, but one of the things we talked about was Mark Shifley needs to transit. We talked about him. Steve Eisenman's his favorite player, right? Yeah. And what did Steve Eisenman do? Right. Steve Eisenman transitioned from being offensively gifted and focused to transitioning to being able to be a two-way player. And that is what Mark Shifley has to do to be a champion. And we've talked about it. And I said this, I said, he's better off going and, and, and learning from Bergeron and Kopitar this summer than he is working on skills with Adam, Adam Oates. Oates. So, but if so, he only listens to Adam Oates, if Adam Oates is, is his rabbi and the yeah. only person that he cares about impressing you know, and, or improving with so, is Adam Oates. I mean, that's what Adam Oates is. Adam Oates is only. Is Adam Oates Jewish? No, I don't think he is, but maybe okay. he is. I, I can't speak for, I can't say one way or another, but Adam Oates. He's is a member of the all food team. He's, he's singularly focused on getting a player's numbers okay. higher. So, so, the, so what I would say then, Drew, is what he'll do is get Mark Shifley the next big contract that he needs to get. And then the question is once Mark Shifley has his, his $10 million contract, $9 million contract, whatever the number is going to be. Sure. He's got that contract in hand. It's a eight year deal, seven year deal, whatever the number is, doesn't matter. The point is, that's when I think you see Mark Shifley change. I really do. I think that right now in Mark Shifley's head, he needs to score. He needs to get, he wants to earn that big contract. Once he's earned that contract, again, we're going to have to wait a bit as he, to see if my words are true or if they ring hollow. But I suspect that if, if Shifley gets the big contract, I think you see him change his game because at that point, then he goes to legacy and wants to win a Stanley Cup. You know, one of the teams that that we've heard might be interested in Dubois, but to me would would work with Shifley is the New York Rangers, right? Like, I agree with Drew, right? Like, could Rod Brindamore, you know, who, by the way, we haven't mentioned the Hall of Fame yet. Congratulations to everybody who was nominated. But I do think Rod Brindamore should be in the Hall of Fame. But that's an aside. Yeah, but at any point in time, at any point in time, sorry, as you, you got me on a tangent here. But at any point in time, when you watched Mike Vernon play goalie, did you think that's a Hall of Fame goaltender? I will, after meeting him in the Calgary airport, Drew, yeah, I will not I let you, you met him in the airport. I will not let you besmirch Mike Vernon's uh, um, yeah, uh, Hall Stanley of Fame. Stanley Cup winner with the Calgary Flames and the, and the Detroit Red Wings. Well, okay, like, 
if you want to go quickly, I, I saw at the Hall Mike of Fame. Vernon getting like Mike Vernon's been eligible since what year? Since like 1996 yeah. or some ridiculous like like you know it's taken them 20 years to get in there. And I'm like Mike Vernon, is that a typo? What happened? There? Well, there's a few things. I mean, Patrick Elia should be a Hall of Famer. Alex McGillney should be a Hall of Famer. And shout out to Winnipeg's Jennifer Botterill. More more than one woman should be getting it every year. I'm in that camp that believes it should be two women every year considering how many men are in and i'm not being woke so nobody can you know uh, accuse woke, me of that woke, woke, jennifer bottle should absolutely woke. be in the hall of fame i will continue to say that we've had her on the show before she does great work with with sportsnet cbc she should be in the hall of fame um but when oh, you're jeremy talking about, and jeremy yeah. ronick i was gonna say you know we McGillney, all have the pleasure. I mean, McG- monday McGillney's- monday is being at the i thought what jeremy ronick said talking to rabbi matt libel I think Libel did a great job, by the way, with Belfort, Chelios, and, and Ronick. And so thanks again to Zach Manuk and the entire team at the Rady JCC dinner. We had a great time. I've yeah. been really enjoying my signed Nick Schmaltz jersey that I bid $250 on. I think hey, it's going to look. What was Naomi's reaction when you came home with the Nick Schmaltz jersey and said that you spent $250 on it? Wait, I, I, have I, have a, I, I have an more important question. Ezzy, you were the only bid at $200. How did he get to $250? No, it was $250. i am very confused. It was $250. That was the starting bid was $250. I'm pretty sure it was 200. I think you well, actually well, think I paid 250. I mean, I, was gonna say, I'm pretty I went up sure. to pay for it, and I'm pretty sure it was 250. But Naomi had no idea that I was even gone. So I mean, I'm 99% sure, Drew, that it was actually listed as 200. And Drew, as he actually increased he the bid, yeah, yeah, I gave it against hey, himself. It's a great cause to give money to, to Rady JCC. They do Fair an amazing enough. job there, right? But um, yeah, Naomi, uh, she thought it was funny. I mean, uh, it was actually Remus who told me to, to bid on a, on a random player. So I thought Nick Schmaltz, good UND boy, good American. Remember the all food team? Yeah, a member of the all food team. You know how much I love my schmaltz, right? But um, I, I forget what we were talking about aside from the Hall of Fame guys. I completely lost my train of thought. Doesn't matter. Um, let's let's go let's to break because Craig is yeah. Craig is about let's to just join bring us. Craig on. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna uh, okay. We'll bring Craig on. We'll we'll forego the break and we'll bring Craig Button on right now. There he is, looking as handsome as ever. Our good friend from TSN, Craig Button, joins us on the show now. Craig, good morning. How are you? I'm good, and I was going to make darn sure I wasn't missing my my allotted time slot here today on this Saturday after absolutely botching it last Saturday. So thanks uh, for having me. Always a pleasure. And, uh, hey, you know, we're into that time of the year where there's a lot of uh, lot of fun, you, you know, and a lot of like, what could happen going yeah. on. So. Uh, I was always happy to join you guys. Well, our pleasure that you're able to join us. Uh, yeah, uh, Craig, and you're right. It is sort of the silly season when it comes to the NHL with uh, all the trades, free agency rapidly approaching, and of course the draft uh, coming up on Wednesday in Nashville. And that's where we want to start with you and the draft. You know, we know that Connor Bedard is going first overall. There's no question about that. And then you, in your in your most recent mock draft, that's where you know the headline is the fun starts after number one. Uh, but the player I want to ask you about isn't the guy you have going number two. It's Matei Michkov uh, out of the KHL because he's probably I would say the most the biggest wild card in the draft. You know, in in terms of his talent, it's it, it's impressive. But yet you have him going at four to San Jose. What's the risk reward when it comes to a player like Mitchkov? I, I'm really not sure, Drew, if there's if there's a risk. Okay. Uh, like I, I'm really not sure there is. I mean, I, I, I've said this often. 
You can talk yourself out of any player you want to talk yourself out of. I've seen it for years. For Oh, he's not big enough. Oh, look at where he's from. Oh, he's got a contract. You know, so if you want to go down that path, it's really easy to talk yourself out of a player. But in the case of Matt Fay-Mitchkoff, and the reason I say that is he, he's a talented, talented player. And where do you find these types of players? And w- w- when you start to consider, you know, the timeline with the contract, 21 years of age is what he'll be when he comes over to the NHL. Well, most players are going to be 21 before they're ready to come in. And and maybe they play a year before, but to make an impact, that's where they're going to be age-wise. Now, you look at a talented player, you try to look at what your timeline may be and and your your patience level, and then you get a player coming in at 21 on an entry-level contract that could be elite productivity. I I don't see risk there. I, I, I I see reward. And what's interesting now, obviously we know that there hasn't been anybody outside of Russia that's been able to watch him live. But he's been seeing lots live in previous years. And because of the pandemic, video scouting became a lot more comfortable for everybody. And the video you're getting uh, out of the the KHL and out of Russia has been outstanding. So you, you make your decisions based on that and, and based on – like he's got a long runway of being watched. This isn't something like, oh, did you hear about this kid, this town? He's been watching and he's been dominant. So when I look at it and just say, hey, I could make a case for him to go too. I, I can make a case for him to go too. I think Van Tilly and Carlson are real, really good top on players. And I put Will Smith in that category of four players right after Bedard. But – I don't – again, it, it, he, he's going to get drafted relatively early. And I think that, again, the team's going to be excited. You're going to probably hear terms like, wow, we just couldn't pass up that kind of skill. You know, we're not worried about his contract. You know, when he comes – all those things you're going to hear. And it's interesting to me now hearing some of the stuff, wow, his personality. Oh, yeah, all this stuff. It's You know, it's just amazing <laughs> – like, you know, like the rumor mill, how it starts and, you know, people feeding it all off. I mean, I get it. I understand it. But to me, he, he he's a he's a he's an elite striker. I call him an elite striker. You know, Craig, we talked about Connor Bedard, Adam Fentilli. You mentioned, you know, Leo Carlson. These guys are going to be, you know, top five picks. Um, but as you know, the Jets don't pick until 18th overall. A couple of years ago, we had you on the show. Uh, that's when the Jets took Chaz Lucius. And of course, you know, you had another couple forwards being drafted by the Jets last year with Rutger McGrody and, and Brad Lambert. And obviously, you know, we've been, um, you know, focused on your rankings, Bob McKenzie's rankings. And there's a lot of good forwards that are that are options there. Like last week, uh, we talked about Braden Yager, guys like Nate Danielson, Oliver Moore. I look at your your most your last uh, Craigslist, and there's a lot of Swedish defensemen there. And you know, obviously, you know, we're playing speculation station here. But when you're talking about a guy like Axel Sandin, Palika, or you're talking about a Tom Willander, like I guess, what stands out to you about those guys? And and do you see those guys being available at 18th overall for the Jets? Yeah, I, I don't see Sandin Pelika being there. I, I I I could I could see a case where Vlander is there, but. You know, they're two different types of players. Number one, they're both right-shot defenders. The biggest thing for me, Ezra, is that watching them over 18 months, their progression has been so significant. And and that's – you're not just going to watch a player and say, oh, he played good, therefore he's good, or he didn't play good. You're watching the the development and the progression of these players over time. And, 
you know, Sandine Pelica, you know, he showed some really good elements. He, he, he's, he's so poised with the puck, you know, understands where the puck needs to go, how to alleviate pressure in the defensive zone, how to make plays in the offensive zone. I, it took me a little bit of time to come up with a, with a comparable, but the more I wa- comparable type, the more I watched them, I kept getting flashbacks to Sergei Zuboff. And then, well, I said, Craig, be careful. You know, Zuby's a, a Hall of Famer. I was lucky to, to when I was in Dallas, he was he was there and he was brilliant. And, you know, but that's the type of game. There's not a lot of flash and dash to Sandy Pelican. But you go back in time and you watch him over the, that period of time. I mean, at the World Junior in uh, in Halifax, he, he, he was a 17-year-old defenseman that had the most minutes, the most time on ice per game of any defenseman on Sweden. Like, you're going, wait a sec, 17. Then you go watch him again. You watch him just continue to take the game and just control the game. And I, that, that's the type of defenseman I see him as, that great with the puck, great poise. You know, he goes as fast as he needs to go. And, you know, it's not going to show up on the highlight reels, but it's going to be really effective for your team. Vlander is a little bit more robust. He, You know, he's got a little bit more of an edge to him. You know, I've, I've compared him in, in terms of his style of play, kind of a cross between Rasmus Anderson and Charlie McAvoy. And, you know, he's confident in his game. He's, he's hard in his game. And he, like Sandine Pelica, and, and it's interesting how they're tied together being Swedish, tied together being right-shot defenders. But Tommy Vlander really took another step in his game when – Sandine Pelico was away at the World Junior Camp, and uh, trying, and then Tony Vlander became the number one guy. Anders Eriksson, not the former player, but the coach, he said to me, he goes, Tommy didn't know how good he could be. He was kind of always, you know, behind Sandine Pelica, but he needed to be that guy to take a step ahead. And what Anders said, he goes, now that he sees it, he goes, we're, we're going to keep encouraging him to be that guy. And I think that you, you, confidence and everything that goes with it, but he's a little bit bigger and a little bit more robust and I think in, in that regard, but those types of defensemen to me are hard to find. They're hard to find the, you know, the intelligence, the competitiveness, you know, the puck play. And so when you factor it all in, you know, and not a lot of what I would call top three defenders in the, in the draft. I, for me, I that, at the top end, I'm going through 25. I see three guys, Reinbacher, the Austrian, and then the two Swedes. So if there's a, de- a defender there, and you want them, I think you're going to have to take them. And, and that's why it might be a little bit of a stretch for 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 any one of those three to be there at 18. But, you know, as you, as you when I did the mock draft, I mean, that's really just a fun exercise who could fit, who could fit where, <laughs> you know, you're using a lot of different things to do it. And But at the end of the day, I don't see th- those three guys being available at 18. Now, that could change. What I will say is this. The depth of this draft is so good through 2025 that, that like, if he's there, that's fine. Or if you have a choice that, but there, there's lots of good players that are going to be available. The, the Jets are going to have to make a choice. It's not like, oh, we'll just take the, the last guy standing. They're going to have to, it's going to come down to them making a choice between really good players. Well, and Craig, you know, going uh, to the forward side of things with that 18th pick, if the Jets go that way, I know you have them uh, going to a program they're a little familiar with, with Oliver Moore as a, I think you called him a speed demon or his speed to burn when you were on TSN the other day. So maybe 
I talk about him a little bit so Jets fans can get an insight into what kind of player he is and maybe one or two other forwards you could see in that realm uh, that maybe the Jets would end up selecting? Yeah, well, so l- let's start with Oliver. So that national team development program, you know, the, the progression they made over the last 18 months, again, as U17 players, they, they were good. You could see that there was talent there, but they just, they, they literally took right off. But I call it the 429 line. That was Perot, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard. It's the best line I saw outside the NHL this year. Best line. They were unbelievable. Now, Oliver didn't have the benefit of, of having a lot of skill on his wings. And so he was asked to do a lot of different things in the game, and he did them really, really well. When he did end up getting some skill on his wings, his offense really took off. And I, I, I think you got to keep that in mind when you look at the numbers for him offensively. So you, you, you've, seen, you've seen a player that can contribute in all areas of the game. You've also seen a player that really saw a push in his offensive productivity when he had better offensive players around him. And I, I, I think that bodes really well for Oliver Moore going forward. But that speed that he possesses, is disruptive. It's not comfortable for opponents when he's out on the ice. It's really unsettling because he's so quick, he's so fast, and he's powerful. He's powerful. So, you know, it's not just like a little nudge is going to set him. First of all, you got to get close enough to him to give him a nudge, right? And even if you give him a nudge, it's not going to deter him. It's not going to knock him awry. He's that good. And he uses it so many different areas of the game. Like, you know, to, to create turnovers, to, to put pressure on, to force bad plays. He's a great penalty killer, and he's competitive. Like, he, he moves the needle competitively. Like when, And, you know, what's interesting. I compared him to Dylan Larkin in terms of his style, and uh, that's, who, that's who Oliver compares himself to as well, which is always interesting. You know, when I say t- type of player, it's always interesting. I mean, I get it. Some players go, oh, I'd like to be like Crosby. Okay, but your game isn't Crosby, right? But when a player <laughs> says, yeah, I see my game like Dylan Larkin, you go, yeah, yeah, that's that's where he's at. And I think a big part of these players, any young player, is coming to an understanding of what your game is. And, you, you know, they've all been good offensively, but sometimes your game has to change a little bit as you as you move up the move up the ladder. And I think for for any player, the, the, the sooner you understand what your game is, I think the better it is for you to just zero in and focus in on that on those areas of your game that will allow you to be a really productive NHL player. Craig Buttons, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, talking about the upcoming NHL draft. Wednesday night is round one. Live coverage back here on our YouTube channel, of course, as usual. Uh, Craig, between Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson, how, you know, is there a lot separating the two of them, or is it really a matter of beauty in the eye of the beholder for uh, who uh, a particular team prefers at, no- at number two? I, I think you nailed it, Drew. It, it, it's, you know, what you prefer. You know, Adam is a, is a hard-driving, fast, competitive, hungry, determined offensive player. I mean, he, he, he's attacking. He, he's got attack on his mind. And he plays at such a frenetic pace that that becomes really difficult. to Because you, you, not only do you have to handle the speed, then you got to handle the size, and then you got to handle that, you know, deep, deep, competitive determination and he's got that he he he's got one he's his mind i'm going to the net i'm driving at you he doesn't handle he doesn't deal with oh i'm going to be handling the puck here and circling there and everything 
He knows where he wants to go when he goes there. And with that size and determination, he's hard to handle. He's a hungry, hungry goal scorer. Leo Carlson is more of a playmaker. He's rounded out his game a little bit more with respect to shooting more. But, I mean, a big playmaking center. And, and, and I know that Leo's looked at himself a little bit like Barkoff. I see him more like Nicholas Backstrom or the Washington Capitals. And so when I look at Leo, if, if you've got really good scoring wingers, Leo Carlson is going to be the, the center that gets you the puck. When the puck's on his stick, he, he understands where the best opportunities are, and then he can execute on them. And so when I had him going to Columbus, it's like, what's going to get – like Patrick Laine has the ability to be a 50-goal scorer. Alexander Ovechkin had Nick Backstrom. I think Leo Carlson playing with uh, uh, Patrick Laine sets him up to be a big to, – to, to enhance his goal-scoring ability – and Fantilli, you know, just the way he plays and, you know, a little bit like McKinnon and, and with respect to the way it's driving, it's a, he's a driving force, two different types of players, you know, but for me, when, when you look at both of them and, and, and you look at what they offer, frontline players, productive players, competitive players. And so it just depends what you're looking for and what you want. Now, one team's going to have to make a choice between the two. And, and once one of them is off the board, then you might be making a choice between the, you know, one and somebody else, but you, you know, somebody's going to have to make a choice between Fantilli and Carlson. And it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Craig, I'm sticking with Sweden. I was asking you about defensemen earlier. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Otto Stenberg. Cause he's a guy that I, I'll be honest. I didn't know a lot about. Um, and then I've been reading up on him. I know a lot of Jets fans just because you have him ranked. Uh, right around there and then actually we should mention in your mock draft he was taken right before and I realize this is all fun so I mean I'm not I'm yeah. not holding to you holding uh, you to you know <laughs> if you're one wins. pick off Craig we're gonna you're gonna hear about it <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> absolutely we're gonna have you on after the draft Craig to completely tear apart your mock draft but no auto auto we have the car over here and the feathers over here and we're just ready to put them together but I think a, a lot of Jets fans he's not and he's a winger we should mention that he's not the biggest guy I think he's at five uh, eleven or six feet um, but he's a guy I think that when you read his scouting report, he's got the shot, he's got the speed. And then I think a lot of Jets fans like the fact that he's kind of got that little bit of an agitator role. He's not a, afraid to get his nose dirty a little bit. So what stands out to you uh, about Stenberg, who's obviously, you know, we're expecting to go in the first round and there's a good chance it's going to be in the top 20. Yeah, well, I'm a little bit scared because just over Drew's shoulder, I can see the tar heating up. The, the, it's getting hotter and hotter, so I'm 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 afraid about how that's going to feel. But you know, uh, Otto is he, he's been the captain of that of that 2005 born group in in Sweden. So that that speaks right there to his you know leadership ability. I, I think he's a hard driving winger. I, you know, he's got the skill, he's got the speed, he's got an excellent shot. But to your point, Ezra, he's got an edge to him. He's he's hard. Like you think about, you think about you, you know competitive players and how important they are to winning at critical times. I'm not talking about you know winning at critical times. And there's times during the regular season that, 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 that it's critical. It's not just playoff time. And Otto is is that player, and he, he is, is plays the game with a real understanding of what his skills are and then how to, how to work it into the game with whoever he's playing with. Like he's fast, but he doesn't know. He, he understands. I don't always have to go fast. You know, he, he sets up to shoot the puck, but he knows he, he can make plays. He's a really good penalty killer as well. Another player that's a really good penalty killer. You know, when I did the mock draft and I did, I did uh, Detroit, 
you know, they, they drafted some centers, they got some defensemen and, and, you know, trying to be a, trying to get some, you know, just a little bit heavier, skilled, harder players. That's why I had them taking Colby Barlow and Otto Stenberg. Kind of, you know, if that's what they're, if that's their mandate, or if that's what they're look, focusing on, those are two guys that I think, that's why I, I do the mock draft based on that. Because I think I'm, I'm listening to, oh, this is what we're looking for. So that's where I try to make a fit there. But Otto Stenberg's like, he, he it's interesting because over the course of time, he played at the U18 in April of 2022 and Sweden won the U18 championship. He was a younger player, but he played. Then, you know, at the Halinka and then, you know, at the different tournaments over time, you know, and I think in the league, he struggled a little bit, like trying to find a way. But I would say probably in the February on, he really asserted himself. And internationally, he's always played very, very well in his age group against, you know, the better competition. I see a real, a really, really good player. And when you ask me about players, well, if he's there at 18, like, you know, let, let's say he's there at 18 and Moore's there at 18 and Callum Ritchie's there at 18 and, you know, maybe Samuel Honzik's there at 18. That's what I mean about having to make a decision. It, it would be easy to just say, oh, well, like, they're all in a group. They're all, in my view, really, really good players. They all add different things, you know, in, in terms of their skill set, but really, really good players. And, you know, as you go through the evaluation and try to understand what fits for us and what we would really like, it's not that you're dismissing good players. You're just saying, this is our preference here. You know, tonight I'm having steak instead of chicken. And you, you, you know what, however you, however you want to, however you want to assess it. But I, I think they got, I, they're going to have more than ample opportunity. Let me say one more thing here. Just, you know, we talk about depth in a draft. Here's how I define this, the, this, the quality of this draft. And the people say it's deep. When, and I think I look at it and I go, 20, 21, 22 deep, maybe through to 25, top two line forwards and top three defensemen. I, I, rarely do I see that. Rarely do you see that type of quality, you know, that, 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 that deeper into the draft. And so people ask me, do you think Danielson will be there at, at 16? Because I had him going to Calgary. I said, I don't know. But if he isn't, you're going to have another good player to pick from, <laughs> a group of good players to pick from. That's a good thing. A lot of times, and I, I joke about this, and Dennis Patterson, who worked, I worked alongside for a number of years, longtime scout, chief scout with the Philadelphia Flyers, he always used to say, you know, we, he used to joke, he goes, oh, it's funny how teams are. If you're picking 11, people, the scouts start to go, yeah, there's only about nine good players. Like, <laughs> if you're picking nine, there's only seven good players. Uh, nobody's going to get away in the top 25 this year saying there's only 20 good players. There, there's a lot of quality in this draft, deep, deep, deep. Well, you know, Craig, speaking of, of depth, I remember in 2014 we were riding the bus in Philly going from the hotel to the to the arena. And even though we were at the 2014 draft, everybody was talking about the 2015 draft. It was already, focus was already on. I heard scouts talking because that's kind of the nice thing is everybody's riding the bus, media, scouts, management, whatever it is. So you kind of get, you know, assessments. And I remember as and I were sitting there and we we're like, everybody, how are they already talking the 15 draft? We're in 14, but it was, there was so much excitement. And this year it felt like everybody has been so excited about the depth of the 23 draft. And so that's what I want to get to is that idea of depth. And, you know, the Jets have found some diamonds in the rough. Speaking of 2015, Mason Appleton in the sixth round, of course, Connor Hellebuck in the fifth round, Andrew Kopp in the fourth round. Now those guys are the exception to the general rule, but 
for you, what are some players that are maybe not those top two rounds, but could potentially be diamonds in the rough for an organization? Yeah. You know, when you ask that question, David, you know, like I I try to assess the players in the, in the top part of it. Right. And a lot of players and and what are diamonds in the rough diamonds in the rough are players that are, you know, probably haven't grown, aren't physically mature, still have lots of, still have lots of development ahead of them with, with, with respect to their abilities to really show. And, and, and I've even said this about players, you know, when you start talking about, uh, you know, uh, why didn't he get drafted? Well, players don't get, sometimes players aren't ready to be drafted. They, they, they haven't shown enough to be drafted. And, and that's not a knock. That's just, that, that's just a case of where the players find themselves at that point in time in terms of maturity. But, you know, so, so, so where do I head? So, you know, I go to different places. You know, it's easy to go to the smaller forward and say, well, that's where there could be a, a, a diamond in the rough. And, and, and certainly we've seen lots of evidence, lots of evidence of that. But, you know, like I'll give you a name. And, and he played for Erie. He played for the U.S. national team to, uh, at, at the U18 turn, Kerry uh, uh, Terrance. Now, Kerry Terrance is, is an excellent skater. And, you know, Erie wasn't a good team. But when he, when he got with the USA team at the U18, you could really, really see a, a lot of ability, a lot of understanding of how his speed can have even a greater impact in the game. And, you know, he, he's somebody that's a little bit, that's a little bit uh, uh, raw still, and it's going to take a little bit of time. But when, when you skate like that, and then you show that understanding as you move up a, a level to U18, I think that that becomes something that, that's really, really important. Do you want me to go to a local Winnipeg kid now? Sure. And Jaden Perron, I mean, I mean, I mean, he had a really strong season with the Chicago Steel. Really strong season with the Chicago Steel. He needs he needs years to to just physically mature and and to get stronger and to get. But when you look at him and you look at the thinking and you look at how he handles the power play and you look at how he handles offensive situations with really good players, you know, if you're ready to be patient and 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 I think you need to be patient with a player like that. Then down the road, you could you, you could end up with a with, with a really really top notch player like a like somebody that can play on your in, in your probably your top six play on the power play give you some offense and and those are things you're always looking for and you know you just park those guys and let them just go and do what they need to do and you know there's there's like I think about like you're you're looking for a goaltender like. I, I, I don't know where the size thing is going now. I mean, you look at what Dustin Wolf has done. When you, you know, we're seeing other goaltenders that, you know, uh, maybe not the tallest of goaltenders, but have a lot of ability. And so, so is Scott Ratzlaff a guy? He, he, he's a darn good goaltender. He played behind Thomas Millich in Seattle. You're looking at somebody that, you know, is going to be a frontline player for Seattle in the, in, in the next few years. He, he, he should be a player that's going to be in full consideration for the world junior team in Canada. And he's got a lot of those abilities. Again, you just look at him. He's just, he's about six foot one now, but the abilities are really, really strong. And, but you just got to be patient with, with, with those abilities, help, help them grow, help them get better. And I think that, that down the road, then you can find players that really, really have uh, an opportunity 
to, to find their way to the NHL. One other player that I would mention, and, and it's interesting just as time goes on, is Tyler Peddle. Now, Tyler is, 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 is from the Atlantic province, has played in Drummondville. This guy has unbelievable speed, unbelievable speed. Drummondville was a team that was okay, but not great. But, you know, if I'm going to take a chance on somebody in the third, fourth round, it's on guys that have those skill sets that already scream NHL. I know there's parts of his game that have to be worked on, but that speed is dynamic and and he's shown a real panache for being able to score. So, you know, those are just a few of the names that I, that I mentioned deeper down the, the, uh, the, you know, the draft list, so to speak, but certainly players that I think have NHL potential. Just quickly, uh, Peter Woods of hockey Manitoba is going to like the Jaden Perron reference. Uh, Craig former Winnipeg Bruin U18 triple a just wanted to mention too, he's going to go to UND. So if the jets are able to draft him, won't have to travel long, about an hour and a half down the street uh, to North Dakota to go to go watch him. But I just wanted to get that, and I appreciate the plug for Hockey Manitoba. You made the plug oh, for Hockey Manitoba. It was your own plug, yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but Craig mentioned him, so it's always good to get the you know the Winnipeg kid, and he's really talented. As as Craig mentioned, um, you know he's a few years away from cracking the NHL, but he's a really good player. Ezra, I, I know what platform I'm on. I didn't bring up Jaden Perron just because I like his skill. I know where he's from. <laughs> Craig, I, I, that's it. I, I, you're off the hook on the on the tar and the feathering. I'm giving that to Ginsburg instead. You're 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 in the clear now, Craig. Craig Button is TSN's director of scouting. The NHL draft goes Wednesday live. Round one coverage back here on our YouTube channel. Craig, appreciate your time. Appreciate your insight. Thanks for always for doing this. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And it's going to be an exciting time, not just the draft, but uh, everything leading up to the draft and then free agency. I think there's lots of things going on. It's interesting. you got lots of stuff going on in Winnipeg, and now the Calgary Flames are kind of facing very similar circumstances. So, you know, a lot of interest with those two uh, Western Canadian teams. Absolutely. We've talked about it for the last couple of hours, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about it for <laughs> days on end. Craig, appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this this morning. Thanks. Let's head to break Cheers, when Craig. we come back. One final segment on this Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Talk about a fun show that has absolutely flown by. That flown. In this morning's show with so much to talk about, like a jet plane taking off. That's what this show was like this morning. Want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors, our friends at Rady JCC. A great dinner on that Monday. was so much fun. Terrific opportunity here from Ed Belfour, Jeremy Ronick, Chris Chelly. Ronick's Dominic Hasek accent was priceless. Yes, Ronick doing an impression on Hasek was terrific. And the Patrick Wall one was pretty funny when he was making fun of the wall. Like he he was I I don't know people don't love his personality. Yeah. I think he's I I remember in fact just to harken back about uh, ten years ago. I yeah. remember I wrote something for a little site called illegalcurve.com Never talking about talking about uh, the NBA and the NHL and how the NHL had the most boring uh, shows to watch. Yeah. And the NBA, like inside the NBA is the best show sports show. I don't even watch basketball games. I watch inside the NBA because the, the, they are so good. Ernie, Kenny, the jet, Sha even Shaq, who I didn't love initially, but I enjoy now. And Sir Charles, they are the best show sports show it's not even close they're so good and hockey has nothing like that and i, I like ronick tells stories he's honest people don't like it but eh, how whatever. good was it when ronick was talking could... about how how him and michael jordan used to gamble on golf oh, and how they were big degenerates and then obviously the you know the story uh you know involving devin setaguchi and tori mitchell if you haven't heard that story we don't have time to go over it just just youtube 
uh, spitting chicklets, Jeremy Roenick, Devin Setaguchi, Tori Mitchell. There was yeah. a funny prank that he played on them when they were a member of the <laughs> Sharks. Yeah, obviously, Belfort and Chelios, two Hall of Famers. It was just, you know, it was, we talked about the sports auction. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a night that we look forward to every year. Exactly. It was a great time Monday night. So big thanks to our friends at the Ray DJCC for having us on board as one of the sponsors. Also, our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Tonight is final night in town. Two shows. Derek Gaines. If you've watched the new show, Bupkiss. Uh, if you've had an opportunity to see that, it's Pete Davidson's new show. Derek plays uh, one of Pete Davidson's friends on that show. He's one of Pete Davidson's friends in real life. So he's at Rumors tonight. If you have an opportunity to go down and check him out, he's great. Lyndon he's, of Marcus course, the Dental. brother of Chris Gaines, a.k.a. Garth Brooks. Thank you, Ezzy. Uh, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, and the Keg support all of these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. Reminder, special round one coverage of the NHL draft coming up on Wednesday night, so you can be sure to keep it locked here to our YouTube channel live coverage of the round one of the NHL draft, and at some point in time in the next couple of days we're expecting some trades to happen for the winnipeg jets we will be covering that in its entirety if and when it happens illegalcurve.com plus the potential for pop-up shows here on the youtube channel stay tuned to all of our social media for the latest regarding all of that a big thanks i'll be popping up on your front lawn I don't know what you just said, but it's fine. A big thanks to all of you for subscribing and supporting the show. Hit 5,000 subs earlier today on the program. 5,002. There you go. Keep smashing the like button. Keep subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell your family. The best place to be Saturday morning and after each and every Winnipeg Jets game is the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. We want you to leave us feedback on YouTube. Leave us feedback on iTunes. Leave us feedback here, there, and everywhere. Just like Dave is mimicking there, writing a script out or leaving some feedback. Do that. Twinkle Toes, uh, Twinkle Fingers uh, Manuk over there is doing a great job. Big thanks to all of you. Big thanks to Dave. Big thanks to Ezra. Big thanks to Kelly Moore of CJLB. Big thanks to Craig Button of TSN for joining us. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We'll see you on Wednesday for round one coverage of the NHL Draft. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.